Hello and welcome to Watch It Baptist Church Online. My name's Mike, uh, I'm the pastor at WBC. This is the fourth in our five-part series looking at the book of Ecclesiastes, uh, a sometimes overlooked book, uh, sometimes for very understandable reasons, uh, which I think gives us a lot uh, of value, really brings something to our understanding of life and to our understanding of how God has a place in it and how perhaps people who've come before us have understood it to work. Ecclesiastes is not always a fun book, but on this occasion we're going to be looking at the reality of joy. I'm going to be thinking of Kohelet, who's the, the character who does most of the talking, as kind of a connoisseur. So we're going to uh, pray first, and then I'll be reading, first of all, from uh, chapter 9, verses 7 to 10, and I'll be reading from the New Living Translation. But let's pray first. Lord, as we come in your presence and in front of your throne to engage with your revelation of yourself in scripture. We pray that you would open your heart to us, that we may understand you, better know you. And we pray that you would help us open our hearts, that we might be challenged and inspired to understand things the way that you encourage us to do and to be challenged to live differently if that's what we need to do to honour you and to get the fullness of life that you offer. Amen. So, Ecclesiastes chapter 9, 7 to 10, say this. So go ahead, eat your food with joy and drink your wine with a happy heart, for God approves of this. Wear fine clothes with a splash of cologne. Live happily with the woman you love through all the meaningless days of your life that God has given you under the sun. The wife God gives you is your reward for all your earthly toil. Whatever you do, do well. For when you go to the grave, there will be no work or planning or knowledge or wisdom. What a fascinating way to understand joy and food and drink and the good company of your spouse or your partner. It's interesting, I think, to consider the way Kehelet is talking here. Against the backdrop of life, which is considered mysterious and meaningless here, we're borrowing a Hebrew word, hevel, which means vapour-like or mist-like, um, or kind of smoke in its character, you know, often beautiful and swirly, but hard to get hold of, and kind of there and gone, kind of fleeting. In the middle of understanding how life works, this teacher, this, this guy who's brought together the people of God to talk to them with his wisdom, is saying, eat your food and enjoy it. Drink your wine and enjoy it. Because these are gifts from God. And before you know it, all the opportunities to do this will be done because you'll be dead anyway. So make the most of the opportunities while they are there. I'm going to get straight on to reading from chapter 5. I'm going to read verses 8 to 20 this time. There's a third uh, passage that we're going to look at in a bit. We'll pause in our reading after this bit and come back to it later. So, chapter 5, verses 8 to 20. Don't be surprised if you see a poor person being oppressed by the powerful and if justice is being miscarried throughout the land. For every official is under orders from higher up and matters of justice get lost in red tape and bureaucracy. Even the king milks the land for his own profit. Those who love money will never have enough. How meaningless to think that wealth brings true happiness. The more you have, the more people come to help you spend it. 
So what good is wealth, except perhaps to watch it slip through your fingers? People who work hard sleep well, whether they eat little or much, but the rich seldom get a good night's sleep. There is another serious problem I've seen under the sun. Hoarding riches harms the saver. Money is put into risky investments that turn sour, and everything is lost. In the end, there is nothing left to pass on to one's children. We all come to the end of our lives as naked and empty-handed as on the day we were born. We can't take our riches with us. And this too is a very serious problem. People leave this world no better off than when they came. All their hard work is for nothing, like working for the wind. Throughout their lives they live under a cloud, frustrated, discouraged and angry. Even so, I have noticed one thing, at least, that is good. It is good for people to eat, drink and enjoy their work under the sun during the short life God has given them and to accept their lot in life. And it is a good thing to receive wealth from God and the good health to enjoy it, to enjoy your work and accept your lot in life. This is indeed a gift from God. God keeps such people so busy enjoying life that they take no time to brood over the past. Isn't it amazing how good a picture, how honest a picture of real life Gehelet paints for us? Don't be surprised, he says, to see horrible things happening to see people taking advantage of their positions of authority it's interesting isn't it that we have this very realistic perspective coupled with stuff in the letters and the epistles and from Jesus that talks to us about um, respecting the authority that that is is placed over us on earth and that it is God given and yet here we have Kehelet saying people who find themselves in positions of authority often abuse that authority and are greedy and selfish. I think we need to be aware that the Bible does a very good job of being honest about reality and in encouraging us to pursue good ways to behave. And those things aren't contradictions. They are very often things that sit alongside each other, even though they don't seem to fit together quite so well. There is um, a perspective on this realism that I wanted to share with you and it's from uh, the 1990 something or other uh, sitcom BBC sitcom Red Dwarf has a, a key character in it called Lister and in this episode they've um, the adventure that they've had is finding themselves on a, a kind of artificial sort of penal colony like a prison I suppose uh, which had a justice field in it so if you did something bad to somebody then automatically something bad would happen to you to try and persuade you not to misbehave. Anyway, at the end of the episode, Lister is reflecting on this. At the end of his speech, he falls down a manhole cover and the other characters are relieved that he's finished his ramble. But this is what he says. It makes you think, doesn't it? Mankind's history has been one long search for justice. That's what all religions are about. They accept life as being basically unfair, but promise everyone will get their just desserts later. Heaven, hell, karma, reincarnation, whatever. Those guys who built the penal colony tried to give some order to the universe by creating the justice field. But when you're living in an environment where justice does exist, there's no free will. That's why in our universe there can never be true eternal justice. Good things will happen to bad people and bad things will happen to good people. It's the way it's got to be. Life by its very nature has to be cruel, unkind and unfair. And then he falls down the manhole. Again, we are capable, aren't we, as human beings, of recognising the meaninglessness, the futility, the the vapour-like 
character of life, the Hevel. And this is what this character in Red Dwarf does. This is um, series four, by the way, the episode is called Justice. Um, just for any geeks out there who are looking to catch up with it later. I'm sure there are lots of you. Anyway, um, th- there's this reality that bad things happen to good people and good things happen to bad people. Th- that life isn't fair. And what Lister does in that moment is, is recognise that religions try to even that out and resolve it. What's interesting is at the end of Ecclesiastes, the author does say, look, this is all wise stuff bear in mind that you will still have to answer for who you are and what you've done at the end of things it's not that you can you should expect life to be fair and that's perhaps where Lister gets it wrong the idea of our faith our following of our father our walking with Jesus isn't that things will he will balance everything out but it is that there will be an answering that there will be a justice point, ultimately. That doesn't have to happen in the here and now. Maybe that's the wrong way of putting it. It's not going to happen in the here and now. And we might be frustrated by that. But we do live in a a world, in in a creation that is the product of our choice to live our way and not God's way. But what does Kohelet, the teacher, have to say about this well perhaps part of what he has to say is well expressed by the novelist French novelist Victor Hugo who wrote this Joy's smile is much closer to tears than laughter to experience joy has a lot more to do with our honest reflection on heartbreak and loss than anything else there is a painful reality that that Kohelet talks about that we we might work very hard in our lives to build something that lasts beyond us a legacy something that stands the test of time beyond our own experience of life but Kohelet says there are no guarantees about what happens to it afterwards in fact this is one of those places where the echo of, of Solomon's voice is particularly interesting because after Solomon his son absolutely throws away Solomon's legacy in just one short lifetime it's gone and, and all the things that, that Solomon had built up and stood for and, and worked hard to accomplish were lost. Your legacy is not guaranteed. And in the context of that, Kehelet says, we need to banish anxiety from our hearts and cast off the troubles of the body for youth and vigour are meaningless. That's chapter 11, verse 10. There's no point getting anxious about things that we can't control we can do is celebrate in the moments of joy that we encounter and Kohelet says this doesn't he He says it is good to eat and drink and enjoy yourself because these are gifts from God to even enjoy the work that you do because it's a gift from God to feel a sense of satisfaction and meaning and purpose in your work or in your relationships because although they may be like vapour they are still gifts from God and they are still good things to be enjoyed. W.H. Auden wrote this, In times of joy, all of us wished we possessed a tail we could wag. I'm sure you've had those moments. The moments where, you, where wagging your tail would feel like the most natural thing in the world to do. The moments where you kind of 
I don't know, maybe you've had your family gathered around you and you've had uh, a day doing something adventurous that you love or or peaceful that you love and you've sat down with those closest to you and had a lovely meal and everyone's getting on and there's humour around the table and there's honesty and you kind of rest back in your chair and you just go this is what it's all about that moment is a is a tail waggy moment that moment is a life in all its fullness moment because it's a moment in a way that seems to almost transcend time those moments seem to sort of take us out of the progress of time and give us a little connection to eternity life in all its fullness and Kohelet says this is something that's available to us because God gives us so so joy is accessible we talked last time particularly in the questions at the end about exercising our joy muscles getting stronger in them and I think seizing hold of the opportunity to experience kind of root ourselves in some joy is really important because if we allow the hevel that the mystery the the the, um sort of not substantialness of life to dominate our experience then we're kind of forgetting all the ways in which fullness of life is available to us now all the all the good things that god provides I happen to think Ecclesiastes is, is one of the most valuable books in the Bible because of some of the things that we've talked about before. It's, it's honesty, it's ruthless acceptance of the way the world actually works and how life is. Its relationship with reality is so valuable. And in these moments where, uh, where Kahelet is saying it is good to enjoy we need to get real hold of that if, if this is a book that converged towards depressing and, and you find yourself going oh really is it all that rubbish is it all that meaningless is it all that empty we're going to take that on board and really feel it and recognize the truth of it we can't pick and choose that bit over those moments where where Kahelet says so it's good to enjoy yourself it's good to make the most of the opportunities to, to live life to the full to recognise the good things that God has given us and make the most of them Rob, ben, Rob Bell in, in the, the video that I talked about in the previous um, session says this life is way too vapour like to hate your job it's so easy to get bogged down with things that make us unhappy and it's not that we should ignore them I said before you know, it's, it's not about living a pretend life that ignores that heartbreak and loss but it is about saying actually when we root our sense of joy in an honest appraisal of what life is actually like then that joy can feel fuller and, and brighter it, it, it goes from being a, a black and white joy of well I suppose there are some good things happening to a technicolour joy of in the middle of all this chaos and, and futility and, and mystery there is some good stuff some good stuff to be taken hold of and enjoyed there is some there is some good cake to be eaten there is I don't know I'm not into this kind of thing but there is some good wine to drink I'm sure there is good wine I've never been a big fan there's some good beer to find you know there's there's good there are good water parks to visit there are <laughs> there are good mountains to climb there are good um, 
restaurants to sit in with friends and, and let the afternoon just roll by. With all those good things being possible and Kohelet telling us that it is appropriate to enjoy them, we are then able to say that in these two hands we will hold the reality of a painful, mysterious, vapour-like life and the joyous, exciting, beautiful things that we're going to encounter. I've got a sign to show you. found this in a shop today not long before I was filming and I've, it was on offer so I thought I've got to have it I'm just going to see if I can get it all in at one go there we go don't take life too seriously nobody gets out alive anyway I mean it's oversimplified isn't it it's, it's not it doesn't quite do justice to the complexity of what Kahele is telling us and and Kahele isn't saying that there aren't things to take seriously you know that there's a sense of of honour and faithfulness still to hold on to in, in, in his lists of proverbs that Kahelet gives in chapters 7 and 10 there are plenty of uh, exhortations, instructions sort of directions to, to be wise, to make good choices to live well so he's not saying life doesn't matter but he is saying when you have this sense of vapour-likeness it would be so easy just to sit in the dampness of that vapour when actually what you can do is shine colourful lights on the smoke. You know in, in theatres and whatever else, we have smoke machines and they're pumping out smoke from the side and you get different coloured lights and you can see all the swirls in them and the swirls all have colour and shape and they, and they do different amazing things and, and it's like a work of art even though it's just smoke running through the eddies of the air. There are those kinds of hevel moments and they are worth grabbing hold of with all that we can give them. Enjoyment is respected by Kohelet because it's something that comes with the heaviness of the world and because he knows it's not vacuous and empty. You know, enjoyment knows its context and still has stuff to offer. There has historically been a real clash in the church, in, in Christian thinking, between sort of joyousness and uh, faithfulness but almost kind of you know we probably shouldn't enjoy life because then we're probably not taking it seriously or or um i know i've come across this one uh if there's a, an easy choice or a hard choice to make then probably god wants me to do the hard thing because that's how god works and i don't think i don't think ahead it has a lot of time for this i think he's saying life is difficult and, and vapor-like and challenging and mysterious and, and awful and heartbreaking but from that manure can grow roses. So breathe them in, enjoy the colours, smell the roses. John Goldingay says this, one Ecclesiastes is good, but a Bible full of Ecclesiastes wouldn't be. And I think he's bang on because we don't need lots of this. Life is heartbreaking. And we also don't need lots of this live for the moment there is a whole other load of stuff to build in but these are very important bits of guidance one ecclesiastes is good we should listen to it and learn from it charles dickens reflecting i suppose in a way on um on pain and joy writes this the pain of parting is nothing to the joy of meeting again
it's that idea, isn't it, that, that, that out of hardship grows things that are great and are brilliant. You might put it this way, when you know what it's like to live in the tunnel, the light means so much more. Joy has a greatness against the backdrop of, of real, honest hevel. I'm going to finish uh, by quoting again Ian Proven. I've, I've given us one of his quotes in each of the sessions so far. And this is a slightly longer one, so bear with me. God is the one who enables the eating, drinking and enjoyment of work. Chapter 2, verses 24 to 25. God is the one who gives mortals as a gift both the days in which joy can be found and enjoy and, and enjoyment and contentment. Chapter 3, verses 12 to 13, and chapter 5, 18 to 20. God smiles on these human activities and he sets their moral boundaries. Chapter 11, verses 9 to 10. There is pleasure here, to be sure, and enjoyment of the good things of life, but it is pleasure received from God's hand and joy to be expressed in his presence. And he goes on. That both aspiring Orthodox Christian commentators and those neither Orthodox nor Christian have seen antitheses here, so a, a kind of opposition between them, between God's way of doing things and, and God's intention on one hand and enjoyment on the other. That people have seen a, a, a contrast between, conflict between those, tells us more about them and their fractured thinking and living than about Kehelet, who does the talking here. It reminds us that all sorts of people would prefer for their own personal and cultural purposes that God and creation should not be so closely identified with each other as they are in the Bible. Kehelet, however, understands that the confession of God to have created the world and made it good, he understands what it truly means. It means we cannot have God without embracing his world and we cannot, in the end, have the world without embracing God. God is the one who enables eating, drinking and enjoyment of work. God smiles on these activities. There is pleasure to enjoy. It's received from God's hand and best expressed in his presence. There are those who see a conflict between God's way and enjoyment, but that tells us more about them than it does about God or about Kehelet. There are people who, for their own reasons, want God and human enjoyment to be kept separate, want God and the experience of the world to be kept separate. But the reality is God made the world and said it was good. And the only way we can truly enjoy the world with all the goodness that it gives us is through God. And the only way we can truly understand and connect with God is by appreciating his world. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your gift of life to us. We thank you for your decision to go to the cross, to die in our place, to be a sacrifice. We thank you for the suffering you went through on our behalf. We thank you that you can identify with our suffering. And we thank you that in the middle of all of that, you still provide at your Father's will things to enjoy, people to love, food and drink to make the most of. And you provide us with the satisfaction and purpose of things to do. Would you help us 
take all these things in our hearts and dwell with them would you help us accept the good things that you give us would you help us to know enjoyment and to live life to the full amen okay three questions then question one what is your favorite phrase or sentence or verse in ecclesiastes so far now that we've done four sessions question two what makes your tail wag and how are you going to put yourself in positions where you get to wag it more often because those opportunities are gifts from god what makes your tail wag Question three. If Dave Lister from Red Dwarf is right and life by its very nature has to be cruel, unkind and unfair, then what is it that God gives us in response to that? As ever, it's been a pleasure and a privilege to walk through Ecclesiastes with you. Our next session will be our last one. I look forward to catching up with you then. Take care and God bless. <laughs>